0: Have you ever wanted to be bold, to be brave, speak up, take a new path in life, but you wish you had someone to walk beside you? This is A Voice of Her Own, a podcast about our journey to agency, authority, and action. Each week you'll get inspiration, actionable practices, and support from me and from brave women of all kinds walking their own path and telling their own stories. I'm Diva. I'm a trauma-informed coach and a doctoral student in psychology, so I know a few things about seeking an authentic life, but I'm still learning, too. So join me as we support, encourage, and inspire each other. This is a podcast about showing up. This is A Voice of Her Own. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of A Voice of Her Own. I'm your host, Diva Davison. And I want to start out today by telling you a story. Uh, it's a short story. I hope that it will make you smile. So, I recently found a vision board that I had done in 2008. And I was just about to move cross country. I really wanted to pursue my horsemanship. Um, I was really looking for forward to immersing myself in the horse world. I was taking a position as an intern in a barn in North Carolina. And so um, my vision board was a lot about horse-related things. And so it was sort of fun to, it was um, on a, uh, I don't know, whatever the flexible paper is that's, you know, that you use for school projects. So I actually unrolled it. And when I enrolled it, I was looking at the things that I had chosen, and I saw, you know, some typical things like some headlines that I had gotten out of magazines that said, like, get out and ride, or, um, you know, pictures of barns, probably some saddles that I wanted, um, you know, two people riding together, um, looking for, you know, companionship in terms of riding. Um, But one thing jumped out at me and it was a headline from an advertisement that I had cut out and I put it over something and it said, the relentless pursuit of perfection. Now, I hope that made you smile because when I looked at it, I almost started laughing. That is the most painful thing I can think of to put on a vision board, the relentless pursuit of perfection. That's like cursing yourself. That's like, that's like, and it was. I I cursed myself with something that I already had um, issues with and had for a long time. Um, But the more that something meant something to me, like horses and horsemanship, the more intense that perfectionism got. So I had to laugh because today, if I were to redo that vision board, it would say, ease. It would say easy. It wouldn't say work harder, do more, accomplish more, be more, even though, paradoxically, I'm, you know, working at a pretty high level of capacity in terms of the things that I'm trying to accomplish. So that's my little story, The Relentless Pursuit of Perfection, because today I want to talk about perfectionism. Now, if you have listened to some past episodes, you might remember that I talked in The Witch Wound about how when I started graduate school, I already knew that I had procrastination issues, and I already suspected that they had to do with perfectionism, Um, but when I started graduate school, I started to have actual physical symptoms around my perfectionism, And delving into the nervous system responses that I was having, learning more about that is something that I talk about in that episode. But literally, I would start to have responses when I'd sit down to do homework or write a paper, something where I felt that there was a lot on the line. Um, I would have the response of literally feeling like I was going to pass out or needing to lie down. And I later learned that this was just a nervous system response to a threat that was basically putting me into a freeze response. And subsequent to that episode, I've had some people tell me that they have had similar experiences, um, particularly around academics and performance and places where, uh, again, the stakes were higher. There was something that mentally, emotionally, the individual had put a lot of weight on the result and that they would feel sick, they would feel nauseous, they would feel exhausted, they would feel fatigued, they would feel like they were gonna pass out, they would feel swimmy, like their head was swimming. Um, All signs of our nervous system trying to help us out by taking us out of the threat into a state of immobilization. And that's something that, again, you know, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, I talk about the nervous system responses. Um, but one of the things that it made really clear to me back when I was in my undergraduate work, I remember I was working as a case manager in a healthcare organization. And one of the psychologists on staff came up to my office for to talk about a case and we ended up chatting and she said oh how is school going because she knew that I that my goal was to become a psychologist and I told her some of my struggles and she you know said the hey done is better than perfect and you need to remember that and I put it up on my wall because I knew even then that my perfectionism was keeping me from producing it was keeping me from creating it was keeping me from having skin in the game. It was keeping me from being out on the playing field and finding out what I was actually capable of. So I knew it then, but when I got to graduate school and I started to have these physical reactions, it became really apparent to me that this perfectionism was one of the attributes of my life that was becoming a real problem. It like very detrimental And so I wanted to talk about that a little bit today. It's something that I struggle with quite a bit. And I think I'm not alone. Uh, One of the things that I read in preparing for this episode is that over the last 30 years, perfectionist tendencies or perfectionist um, actions, um, activities, ways of thinking and being and doing have increased in younger people, regardless of gender, every year. And so obviously we're gonna look and say, okay, well, that's partially social media. Well, it, it is, and it also isn't. Part of it is that we are in an increasingly competitive society. Part of it is that people growing up now feel that the end goal of um, having a happy retirement, to have, being able to provide for family, being able to uh, have a home, all of those things are no longer guaranteed. And so when there is a push towards competitive, um, a sense of competition and in limited resources, people start to come to a place of being more self-critical. They're looking to have a better result. They're looking to be at the top of the competitive edge. And one of my friends, um, was from quite a long time ago, she was a competitive athlete growing up. And she said, "You know, in my family, second place was first loser. Second place was first loser." That kind of attitude, I think, has always been a segment of American life. We're definitely competitive people, but I think that pressure to perform and to succeed the way that we have taken parenting from what was, I would say, not lackadaisical, but it, it wasn't, at least when I was growing up, it it wasn't a plotted and planned sort of thing. You know, I, I also was from a generation that was before the um, missing children on, on, uh, milk cartons. So I got to play outside. People weren't as concerned. There wasn't this sense of hovering over kids. And that that kind of hovering and preparing your child for every possible best result, you know, starting them at the right kindergarten so that they can get into the right, oh, right preschool, so they can get into the right kindergarten, so they can get into the right primary. So, you know, looking ahead to see how competitive they're going to be in college admissions. All of those kinds of things, I think, are something that has been primarily passed down to millennials and Gen Z. And when I look on social media, like when I look on Instagram, I see things that are just really wild. And I mean, obviously I'm older, so I'm partially probably having that like, wow, these kids today, but I'm looking at these girls and they're putting up pictures and saying, rate my body, rate my body. Are you kidding me? Like, that, that's not going to go well, like every part of it. It doesn't matter if you get all 10s except for, you know, one person, you're still putting yourself in a place of constant comparison. And constant comparison is one of the factors that leads to perfectionism. Another factor is again, the high expectation parenting. Um, and Another factor that I think we don't talk about very much kind of goes into a, a more depth psychology look at it. I would say that one of the causes of perfectionism from a deeper point of view is our societal fixation on the um, Apollonian versus the Dionysian. And by that, I mean the the obsession with perfecting oneself is almost a way of separating oneself from the earth. Because if you look at it, when we're born, we begin to die. I mean, basically we, when we are born, we develop up to a certain level and then we begin to decay. And all of our adulthood is a process of decaying on some level. That whole concept of being able to be okay with the organic the um, the decaying the um, mm, uh, what I would almost characterize as a sort of female versus male looking at things right so the the organic soft shapes the shapes of things that have smells and the shapes of things that are, um, that have textures, and and then our our society's fixation with these Apollonian sort of, uh, sorry, Apollonian sort of uh, uh, fixtures of cleanliness and right angles and um, everything that is non-organic, non-earthy, non-dirty, non-funky, and the obsession with that has made us obsessed with perfecting ourselves as if there's a way that we can rid ourselves of funk of smell of taste of um you know of all of these things of pores of of wrinkles of fat of cellulite of toe jam of toenails i mean all of these things that are a real part of existence we are trying our hardest to process away and we do it in the, the things that we eat, we do it in the way that we live and we're seeing real consequences to that. We're seeing real consequences to our um you know, an obsession in our culture for hundreds of years of moving away from the earth of being non-earthy, even to the point of when you think of like high heels, right? That that those were originally worn um by Men, not women, and it was to elevate them off of the earth because we have a we have a sky god. So that's what we're sort of directed towards culturally. As a um, and I'm speaking of Americans, and I realize that not all Americans are Christian for sure. But as a quote unquote Christian country that is founded on the um, religious beliefs of very. Um, fundamentalist Christians, the Puritans, there's a sense that perfecting oneself means that you're not sinful, that you're clean. You're clean of sin. You have been cleaned of sin. And I think all of that is a very dangerous place to live mentally, especially as a woman, because most of the attributes that are seen as sinful and even sin itself comes from the female and the way that women are um, in our deeper unconscious connected to the earth, connected to the things that are organic, connected to the things that are um, are fetid, and uh, connected to things that are um, nonlinear and diffused and And those are all some generalizations, but I do think they're really worth mentioning, especially the idea that somehow if we can focus on perfecting ourselves, that we almost cheat death. Like we almost escape death if we perfect ourselves well enough. And, um, and that's something you see with this like huge push towards, you know, living forever and staying young forever, forever young. I, you know, there's a book coming out by a person that I follow who um, does functional medicine. And I think that he has a lot of great things to say, but I was just like, ah, do we need a book on how to stay young forever? I mean, like, what are we trying to accomplish here? We're certainly taking ourselves out of some natural cycles and to what, you know, to what end? All right, it is time for the shout out. So, the shout out is something that I'm particularly enthused about and want to share with you. It could be a person, place, thing, idea, website, product. Uh, Sometimes it has an affiliate link, most of the time it doesn't. I just love the idea of people sharing the things that they're excited about. And today I want to share with you archetypes at work. This is a cutting edge new method. It's really been in the works for a little while, but has only been available to the public for, I don't know, it's been in the last two years, I want to say. It's a method to assess, coach, and develop people and organizations. And it's based on archetypal psychology and archetypal astrology. In this guise, it doesn't use astrology. It uses 10 archetypes and a method, a patented method of assessment. And it is brilliant. So last year I was fortunate enough to take a class on this method um, through my university with one of the founders of the method, Dr. Lawrence Hillman. He is amazing. He's brilliant. And this method was such an eye-opening way to understand archetypes and how they play out in our lives. I think the word archetype sometimes gets a bad rap in the sense that people confuse it with trope. An archetype is not something that's one-dimensional. In fact, we all have all of the archetypes acting in our lives all the time. And when you're able to see them and see the way that they're acting in your life, whether they're in the spotlight or being pushed off stage by another archetype, you really start to understand where your life is in balance and where it's not, where you're fulfilled and where you're really lacking and what you could do about it and how you could develop yourself. And it also applies to organizations, how you could develop your organization. It's an amazing system. If you go onto their website, archetypesatwork.com, Dot com. You can get a free assessment. It's a sample. It's I think three pages instead of like the 27 pages that you would get from one of the coaching assessments. They offer archetypal coaching, team development, organizational development. They have in-house training for anyone who wants to get involved and use this method. It's something that I'm going to pursue. I was blown away by this. I absolutely loved it. I think it's brilliant and I think it's going to be super useful for my clients. It lays out 10 archetypes and they're organized around principles, the principles of order, action, change, creativity, and relationship. Archetypes are the sovereign, the strategist, the nurturer, the lover, the dreamer, the storyteller, the renegade, the transformer, the warrior, and the explorer. And when I took the assessment, It was really, it was a great thing for me to take because it really made me realize how much I leaned into some parts of my personality and how much I either ignored or actively othered parts that were not going to go away. You can't, you cannot other parts of yourself to the point where they're not there, they just come out in places that you're not expecting. And realizing that made me aware of the places that I was really missing out. And one of them was in my creative life. And that is one of the reasons that this podcast exists. So I can't say enough good things about Archetypes at Work. You can find it at archetypesatwork.com. And I, like I said, I plan on taking some of their trainings. This is a program that is rapidly expanding. The response to it has been a really astonishing. People really love it. And so I hope you'll go check it out. That's the shout out. I want to point out that, you know, perfecting oneself is a way of trying to have control over an experience, which is life, which is inherently non-controllable, like you can't control it. There's nothing that's going to tell you when you're going to get cancer, when your child's going to get hit by a car, when, you know, there's so many things that happen in the world that we have no control over, earthquakes, um, you know, all of these crazy things. And we continue to try to control them as a way to escape our fear. And again, I think that comes back to a fear of mortality. And some of the things that come from that control and um, trying to perfect oneself is disordered eating would be a good example. Um, OCD, people having very compulsive behaviors, um, uh, a concern with cleanliness, with housework, with like, you know, everything having to be a certain way and and a certain um, system and a certain uh Perfected image, before you can actually sit down and tend to things that you know are more inspiring, like your creativity or your pleasure. Um, and people who have perfectionistic tendencies um, have a greater rate of all of those things: the 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 OCD, the disordered eating, the um, body image issues. Um, The rate of, um, obviously, the rate of plastic surgery, um, social anxiety, insomnia, depression, fear of failure, like it's obvious these things all go together. Anxiety, right? This is an anxiety disorder or can be. Perfectionism by itself is not a mental health issue, but it is the seed, the root of many other issues that go around it. And that fear of failure, that fear of making mistakes, the need to be perfect before we're able to present ourselves to the world or present our work to the world results in not just procrastination, but a kind of paralysis. And one of the things that um, that means is that And this is the relentless part, right? The relentless pursuit of perfection. The relentlessness means that we are never enough. We're never good enough. We're never self-accepting. We don't look at our own accomplishments. We don't give ourselves the credit that we're due. When other people do, we don't believe them. Um, It's a never-ending cycle of not enough. And this, I think, is something that is... More and more apparent to me as I look at the women in my world who are constantly on a um, an escalator of comparison, right? And we're robbing ourselves when we compare ourselves. and it's really easy to do. It happened to me just the other day. I was on Instagram to post some things for my business and I got sidetracked. And pretty soon I was looking at all these people that have their online courses done and they have their group coaching practices and all of these things that I aspire to and they have more followers and blah, blah, blah. And pretty soon I felt like shit. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, what, why are you doing this? What, what is the point of this? One of the things that is related to that for me is envy, and one of the ways that I deal with it is reminding myself that if if instead of looking at someone else's life, which is a carefully curated and constructed image anyway, like I don't know what's going on in their life, but instead of looking at it and feeling envy or feeling like, "Oh, these people have these things and I don't have these things," is to look at it and to say if they can have it, so can I. If she can do it, so can I. If this person can do it, I can do it too. And I try to reframe it that way so that I don't get sucked into this comparison that inevitably leaves me feeling like shit and feeling like I haven't done enough, I'm not enough, it's not okay. So that mentality of comparison is really, I would say, the one of the biggest funnels to perfectionism um, or vice versa. And um, a way that you can kind of tell where you're at with that is the kind of self-talk that you're doing. You know, when you get to a point where you're comparing and finding yourself lacking, the self-talk tends to get really critical. And sometimes I would say it even goes beyond critical. It goes beyond critical to things that you would not say to another person. You would not talk to other people the way you talk to yourself is my guess. That's just a guess maybe you're good at it. Um, But I think it's really important that we catch ourselves, be mindful, see what we're doing, see what we're saying, see what we're telling ourselves, and stop when we recognize that we're using a level of criticism that we would not direct to another person. Because it's important to remember that your inner self can be, there are parts of you that can be quite childlike in the sense of you know, words have consequences. Words can be damaging. The way that we talk to other people, we're aware of the fact that we need to be thoughtful about the way that we talk to other people so that we can support them and love them and be kind to them. And for me, asking myself, why don't I rate that? Why is it that I talk to myself? in a way that I would not talk to other people. So when I catch myself doing that, I literally stop and ask, would you say this to Ryan, my partner? Would you say this even to your dog? Would you say this to your child? Would you say this to your your friend? No, like you wouldn't. So catch yourself, stop yourself from continuing to labor under the idea that you're not enough, because your negative self-talk is a huge contributor. Your comparison shopping, huge contributor. And the last one that I think is a really huge contributor that I want to mention is uh, the inability to give ourselves credit. And this goes back to the relentless part. So the relentless part means that no matter what you do, it's not enough. And by this, I mean that most people I know That struggle with perfectionism, when they accomplish something, it doesn't mean anything to them. It doesn't feel good. There's no rah-rah. There's no self-celebrating. They don't enjoy the moment. They don't enjoy the accomplishment. They don't enjoy the kudos. They don't enjoy the congratulations from other people. They just look and say, what's next? What's next? What's my next step? What's my next rung on the ladder? What do I have to do next? What do I have ahead of me that I need to get started on and should have gotten started on yesterday. That's the attitude. And one of the things that you're doing when you don't stop and appreciate your own accomplishments is you're robbing yourself of a very basic, very important role in your brain chemistry and your motivation. And when we come back and we do the takeaway, I will explain. So now it's time for the takeaway. The takeaway is an actionable practice that you can take out in the world as you journey forward. It's something that could be, should be, hopefully will be of use to you. It's a practice. It's not something that, you know, maybe you're going to master right away, but possibly you could. It could be something that will really even today you could start and you'll see results from it something that can help you on your journey and today's takeaway is coming up okay thanks for hanging out with me um so if you haven't listened to the huberman lab episode on dopamine and using dopamine as a motivational tool i really recommend it i'm going to link to it in the show notes one of the things that we've learned with dopamine, dopamine kind of gets a bad rap in some ways uh, because we know it as what keeps people in addictive behaviors. But dopamine is, a, I mean, like everything can be used for adaptive or non-adaptive uh, situations. And dopamine is the chemical that keeps us consistent because it's the chemical of reward. And when we experience reward, we are more likely to come back and do it again. That's why people get addicted to things. There are things that you can positively use that for. And one of them is as a motivator to be consistent on the things that you care about or the things that you want to accomplish. But you cannot have that if you don't allow yourself the reward. How is the reward generated? It's generated by actually acknowledging in an emotional way a positive feeling about something that you've accomplished. So if you're the kind of person that goes through your day and, you know, let's say you're like me and you you know, later in life graduated with your bachelor's degree and instead of stopping and being like, "Wow, I think good job, dude. You did that while you were working full time. I know that was hard. Everybody else is younger. You really worked hard at it. I'm proud of you." Instead of doing that, which would in fact tell my that would in fact tell my brain that there should be a dopamine release because hey I've done something and I deserve a reward. If you just bypass that and you're like yeah okay great I need to get my stuff together to apply to grad school like that's what I'm working on right now. If that's the way you always approach things, you are robbing yourself of the dopamine reward and that means that it's going to be harder and harder to be motivated about things or that when you are motivated about things they're going to be motivated by fear. And fear isn't a great way to motivate yourself because it takes a toll on your body, it takes a toll on your psyche, and it takes a toll on your heart. Right? Both literally and and figuratively, you are doing yourself no favors if your life is motivated by fear, fear of making mistakes, fear of failure. Those are all things that If you look at the ACEs study, going back to that, if you look at the way that people um, who have long lives, what they do and and how they live, you'll see that fear and being motivated by fear is something that it it literally uh, shortens your life. And it shortens certainly the um, life satisfaction that you have. And it's associated with many poor health outcomes. And so what I would say is, don't do that. Don't do that. Do, do yourself a favor and let yourself be motivated by the chemistry that's already in place to do that very thing. Let yourself have a reward. So the takeaway from this episode is super simple. It's something that we don't really do enough of. I think some of us have a gratitude practice and we've already seen the benefits of that. And so hopefully you're a person that, Um, you know, at least from time to time, if not every day, has the ability to lean into gratitude for the things that are going well. And this is not dissimilar, but this is your three wins. And so it takes like three minutes and you can do it while you're brushing your teeth. But I think it's better if you write it down, Um, but you can do it before you go to bed. And all it is, is taking a few minutes to acknowledge the things that you did well and actually giving yourself some kudos. So when you write down your three wins, I want you to take a moment to really feel the, and even if you have to fake it to start with, to feel the like ability to give yourself a compliment, even if it's like, oh God, this is awful. Say it anyway. Say, hey, I am so proud of you. Hey, great job. Hey, you did really well. Hey, you know what? That was awesome. And that practice, believe me, all of your critical self-talk has had plenty of practice. You didn't start out, you didn't come out of the womb with critical self-talk. You didn't. You developed it. You've perfected it. Now it's your, (laughs) it's your companion. So you're going to have to do the same thing, giving yourself some kudos, giving yourself a win, giving yourself a reward, giving yourself acknowledgement for the things that you're doing well is going to take practice. So do the practice, do it, try it. It feels weird. It feels awkward. It feels stupid. That's okay. All of that is fine. If you give yourself a week, 10 days, I mean, if you've, really feeling froggy, which by the way, I looked it up, feeling froggy is actually a term from the Marines for when you feel ready for action. So if you're feeling froggy and you want to do it for 30 days so that you build a habit, then I'm going to high five you right now. And if you DM me, I'm going to give you some kudos. Um, But even if you just do it for a week until the, the next episode comes out, whatever, just try doing three wins. Give yourself three wins, give yourself three compliments, give yourself three real kudos and let your brain chemistry do what it does best. Okay, thanks for joining me this week. I will catch you next week. And uh, I am always appreciative that you were here with me on this journey. Take care. Hey friends. Thank you again for joining me on A Voice of Her Own. I hope that this episode was useful, that it was inspiring, that it sparked something in you that you can take out into the world. And if you wanna hear more episodes or you wanna sign up for our newsletter so you never miss one being released, head on over to www.avoiceofherown.com. You can sign up for our newsletter, you can get all the show notes, You can uh, get all the links to everything we talked about and any promotional things that I have going on. So again, thanks for joining us and take that out into the world and be your badass self.